How did Jeffrey Epstein make all of his money? What does it tell you about how power operates within our society? And why have we still not received a list? The truth of the matter is in credit where credit is due to people such as Alex Jones who predicted this for many, many years. Despite the fact I think that Alex has been wrong on many predictions in the past, on this one he was actually right, which is slightly ironic. And it is clear to see that these so-called conspiracy theories in which were in reference to this notion that there was an elite sex trafficking ring for the, well, basically the past 20 plus years, this has come true. And I think we're just starting to see the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the revelations of this story. And isn't, isn't it just so coincidental, by the way, that many elites, billionaires, business owners, presidential candidates, so on and so forth, all of the elite people within our society, they're the ones who were likely involved within the scandal, yet we have no release of this important list, which basically would tell you as to whom was involved within this huge operation. This just tells you everything you need to know about how power operates within our society. So I want to touch upon a clip from Tucker Carlson, and then we're also going to get into some other revelations from Bill Gates, a later story that has just dropped. And then an interesting lady, I believe her name is Whitney Webb, whom has some fascinating insights when it comes to this whole scandal. She's basically devoted her entire life, for the past few years at least, to writing books and revealing the scandalous nature behind the Epstein story, in which clearly was some sort of fraudulent, elite, money-related financial operation combined with some sort of elite sex trafficking ring, specifically for underage women. You would think this is literally something out of a movie, but it's real. It's uh, quite strange. So Tucker Carlson, by the way, spoke about this um, in the past few months, just coincidentally, literally days before, I believe this was weeks before he was kicked off of Fox. Um, and this just shows you as to why, in my opinion, free speech as a society is so important. One thing I keep reiterating upon these videos and upon my writings at Dantons.com is the fact that we need free speech as the bedrock of society, the bedrock, the foundations of what it means to have a flourishing society. Yet many young fools, the climate radicals, the people who love gender ideology, they are threatening free speech like you've never seen before. Well, these young Fools need to understand. They need to study history just for a tiny, just for a tiny second. They need to recognize the importance of free speech. Otherwise, otherwise we descend into a tyrannical mess like you've never seen before. And it's just uh, very concerning, this fascist type state in which we're eerily close towards, in which if you speak up against the consensus, you are banned from your job. You're not allowed to say that. We're going to kick you out of the university. We're going to kick you out of everything. You're basically going to be isolated if you have a differing opinion on climate change, if you have a differing opinion on gender ideology, if you, if you dare perhaps concern or bring up the concern in relation to transitioning a one-year-old child, then you're called a total loony. I'm not going to shut up. I'm not going to step down. And I hope you join me on this journey to finding truth because that is what politics should be about. Politics should be about finding and seeking truth. But in today's age, Unfortunately, for the most part, it's not. Media and politics is nowadays about seemingly about being in touch with the elites and really not being representative for the average person, I believe at least. So this first clip is from the Nelk podcast, in which many of you have seen before. I've played it on the channel a few times in the past, but I think it's really important to give some context as to this whole situation. And by the way, I think this really shows us to why Tucker was kicked off Fox. It's the, the, the reason is clear. Mainstream media is not your friend anymore. They are the enemy of the people. 
it is very evident to see during the pandemic, spewed misinformation, as they lovely call it, to, to, to use the leftist terminology, misinformation, disinformation. They spewed all this nonsense and they have the gut to tell you that you're the one that's in the wrong, that, that, that you should trust them as an undisputable dogma. Get lost. I'm not trusting you ever again. Young people have no trust for these radical institutions, for the media, who must lie to them continuously on Iraq, on the pandemic, on the Epstein scandal, so on and so forth, the list goes on. And it's okay for, for, for people to get wrong, but the point that I'm making is it no longer seems like mainstream media is there to search for the truth. It seems like there is some sort of scandalous nature to mainstream media in which they're not allowed to speak and search for the truth. And certain questions, certain topics are just off limit. And this is why Tucker was kicked off Fox. He questioned things that were untouched. He questioned the unquestionable. And that is the real reason. The point, the point really is that the mainstream media used to be a medium for investigation, for accountability, but no longer. The mainstream media has descended into a parroting medium for elites to spout their ideologies in order to favour their specific interests, it seems. Okay, let's check out this clip of Tucker Carlson before we get to the other commentary by Tucker and people like Whitney Webb, whom have investigated Epstein in detail. And they're telling you things that mainstream corrupted fake news is never going to tell you. We know that he was murdered. He was murdered in the special housing unit of federal lockup in Manhattan. How so, do we know he was murdered? Oh, well, look into it, dude. We did a whole segment on it on my show. Nobody cared. Um, I'm going to watch it after. You should. It's, it's beyond belief. And I'm very skeptical of any kind of conspiracy theory or whatever. Why don't more people go after this, though? We know that he was murdered because, well, for one thing, I, a friend of mine is one of the people who last talked to him on the phone the day he was killed. And he had a expectation of a bail hearing in two days. He thought he was getting out. He was not despondent at all. I talked to his lawyer, told me the same thing. They moved someone out of his cell. They put two people, one of whom was not even a full-time prison guard, on duty. None of the cameras trained on the cell worked. They were all out of it that night. They locked the front of the special housing unit that had eight cells in it. But then they opened all the cells inside. So who was it? So I asked a really simple question, the Bureau of Prisons. Who were the other? So there are eight cells, 16 minus his cell because he was alone. So that means there are 14 other inmates there that night. What are their names? Where'd they go? Some of them are transferred out right after. Who were these people? Can't tell you that. Really? You can't tell me that? Well, on the basis of what? Because some inmate at a federal prison's privacy concerns like Trump telling What are you even talking about? Meanwhile... The Attorney General of the United States under Trump, Bill Barr, issues a statement being like, no, you know, it's totally. Bill Barr lied. There's no question that Bill Barr well, he clearly suspected Epstein was murdered, but stopped the investigation into it. I went and read Bill Barr's book in which he explains all this, and it's like complete bullshit and transparent bullshit. So I have no idea why the Attorney General of the United States would be lying about this, but there's literally no question that he did. I know him. So we, Bill Barr is a super nice guy. We reach out to Bill Barr like, hey, why don't you come on and explain why you lied about Jeffrey Epstein's death? Uh, no. Now this also touches upon an interesting point in which is this smearing of the terminology conspiracy theorist or conspiracy theory. As we'll look at within one moment, corrupted fake news media outlets such as NPC, it seems. And NPC, what, what are they called? They actually called NPC, NCP, what are they called? I think they're called an NPC, in which we'll look at within a second, which is quite comical. What I'm saying is that, isn't it just hilarious how all the conspiracy theories over the past few years 
have turned out to be truthful. What sort of simulation are we living then? This is literally just insane. The views posted forward by Russia, but the views posted forward by Tucker, not Russia. The views posted forward by Tucker within the clip in which we just watched previously was labeled as a right wing absurd conspiracy theory. But day by day, we're getting more information as to the truthfulness of this story, which is just hilarious. And this is why you radicals, I'm pointing to you idiotic radicals who were running Twitter before Musk. This is why your Ministry of Truth was a corrupted fascist governmental collusion type censorship machine in which you radicals had the gutso, the guts to censor people who had differing opinions in which you believed were untruthful because you're the Ministry of Truth, because you have an undisputable dogma, you have some sort of a line with God in which tells you the truth apparently. The Ministry of Truth, as we saw during the pandemic, by the radicals at Twitter, for example, and many other social media organizations and institutions, which was basically this undisputable dogma that one couldn't question. This is literally terrible. The real question is as to how one knows the truth, because as I've mentioned, many things in which people viewed as a total falsehood, such as the lab leak, such as perhaps the questioning of the efficacy of lockdowns and masks, it turns out that these so-called falsehoods and conspiracy theories have much more truth within today's age as we gain more information. So this idea that kind of the Ministry of Truth is just this unchangeable dogma in which one can't question is extremely, extremely dangerous. We must be open as a society to fringe ideas because who knows, maybe I'm wrong, maybe you're wrong. Who knows? This is the point of media and politics. It should be searching for the truth and making society a better place. But if we can't even listen freely without smearing one as a conspiracy theorist, then how can we ever find the truth and hold elites to account? That is the big question. The main lesson from the pandemic, the main lesson over the past few years when it comes to the scandalous nature of the Epstein ring, is that all of these so-called conspiracy theories we must take seriously. We must even allow people to voice their different opinions, even if you believe they are strange and absurd within the first listenings, we still must be open to the possibility that we are wrong. So next time someone says that perhaps CO2 within the atmosphere isn't necessarily causing global warming, or perhaps when someone says that we need more fossil fuels, not less, or perhaps when someone says COVID perhaps leaked from a lab within China, maybe we should take these more seriously. Maybe we should at least be open towards explanations and differing ideas. Because over the past few years, we've seen all these so-called fringe conspiracy theories. Literally, the majority of them have become truthful, have shown to have validity within their truth, which is just hilarious. So there were, recently was some news on Epstein, which we'll touch upon very briefly because I'm sure many people have heard this already. But this is incredibly concerning. According to People.com, Epstein threatened to expose Gates for having an alleged affair with a Russian bridge player, which is, I don't know why you'd want to have sex with a bridge player, but okay. According to the Wall Street Journal, this message was sent over email in 2017 after the disgraced financer who died supposedly by suicide, of course, whilst waiting a trial on federal conspiracy and sex trafficking charges, learned of the alleged relationship with this so-called bridge player. The newspaper reported, citing sources familiar with the matter. By the time, Epstein has also failed to get Gates to join into his charitable fund that never came to fruition, the journal reported. By the way, isn't bridge for old people? Like, doesn't Warren Buffett play this? Hilarious. Epstein met this lady in 2013, years after Gates met the bridge player when she was in her 20s, according to the newspaper. At the time, the tech billionaire was married to ex-wife Melinda French Gates. When Epstein emailed Gates in 2017, he asked to be reimbursed for money 
he's sent to send her to software coding school, according to the outlet. The message also seemingly hinted at the idea that Epstein could expose the alleged relationship if an association between the two men was not maintained per the newspaper, which reported that no payment was made. Mr. Gates met with Epstein solely for supposedly philanthropic purposes, having failed repeatedly to draw Mr. Gates beyond these matters. Epstein tried unsuccessfully to leverage a past relationship to threaten Mr. Gates, a spokesperson for Gates said according to the statement. Mr. Gates never, never had any financial dealings with Epstein, the spokesperson added. As Bill has said before, it was a mistake to have ever met him. Now, this doesn't necessarily indicate that Gates was part of the sex trafficking ring, but it does show the deeper relationship, and a clip we'll get to within one moment. It indicates the lies in which Bill Gates has been noting and telling us for many, many years in terms of his relationship between Bill Gates and Epstein. It's not enough evidence to say that Gates was part of this sex trafficking ring, but it definitely adds towards the suspicion, let's say. In a YouTube, in a YouTube video posted in 2010, this Bridge player spoke about meeting with the Microsoft co-founder, now 67, during a bridge tournament in Washington, D.C. I didn't beat him, but I tried to kick him with my leg, she said in the video. She met Epstein whilst looking for a 500000 She met Epstein whilst looking for $500,000 for an online business she hoped to create to teach people how to play bridge, according to the journal. According to this lady, Epstein ultimately did not invest. When she decided to later get into programming, she told the newspaper that Epstein agreed to pay and he paid directly to the school. I had no idea that he was a criminal or had any ulterior motives, she stated. I just thought he was a successful businessman. He wanted to help. So what? Of course Bill Gates wouldn't lie to us, would he? He would never lie to us. He's a truthful man, right? Well, of course not. <laughs> Let's check this clip out of Bill Gates. It's quite uh, comical and perhaps indicates towards the lies. You're lying, Gates. There, there's a couple of things of reporting that have been out there I want to ask you about, and I think it's no one's business what happens in a person's marriage. The New York Times and Wall Street Journal both reported in recent months that uh, Melinda was concerned about a relationship you had with Jeffrey Epstein, who at the time you met him in 2011 uh, had been already convicted of soliciting prostitution from a minor. The Times reported she hired divorce attorneys around the time in October 2019 when that contact with Epstein became public. Can you explain your relationship with Epstein? Did you have any concerns? Uh, was there ever any concerns you had about it? Oh, certainly. Uh, you know, I had several dinners with him, uh, you know, hoping that uh, what he said about getting billions of philanthropy for global health uh, through uh, contacts that he had might emerge, you know, when it looked like that wasn't a real thing. So why was Gates and all of these billionaires still in touch? Why was Prince Andrew still in touch with Epstein? Despite the fact he had been convicted many years prior of sexual involvement with a minor. It's like that relationship ended, but it was a huge mistake. Uh, to spend time with him, to give him the credibility of, you know, being there. There, there were lots of others uh, in that same situation, but I, I made a uh, mistake. There's been reporting about workplace behavior in the past. The New York Times reported six women from Microsoft, your, uh, the company you created, your foundation, and the financial firm that manages your fortune said that your behavior at times created an uncomfortable workplace environment. I know a spokeswoman for you acknowledge you had an affair 20 years ago with a Microsoft employee that she said ended uh, amicably. Do you have regrets? Well, certainly I, I think everyone does. Uh, but, you know, I'm 
it's a time of reflection and uh you know i you know at this point i i need to go forward uh you know my work uh is very important to me uh you know within the family we'll uh heal as best we can uh and and learn learn from what's happened well, just on a personal level, I'm sorry for what you and your family are going through. Okay, so basically what this was, was a bunch of billionaires that were smashing young girls. That's pretty much what it was. Um, there were some deeper conspiracy theories and ideas in reference to Epstein's involvement with high-level governmental organizations around the world in order to supposedly blackmail elites and billionaires such as uh, Bill Gates. But I don't know the specific information on that. We'll get to that within a moment in reference to the notions and the discoveries by Whitney Webb. But it shows people such as Tucker, they knew and they couldn't speak up. And when they did, as we saw within the Nelk clip, they were kicked out of the organization. There are certain things within this world in which you just cannot question. Now, let's just remind ourselves what NPR, that's what they're called. Not MPC. NPR, what have they said about in the year 2022 about the conspiracy theories regarding Epstein and the far right whom supposedly are involved within this narrative? So according to this article last year in 2022, this shows you just the corruption of the media, in my opinion, specifically this outlet, NPR. They stated that NPR analysis of data compiled by the media intelligence company, Newswhip, found that today online engagement with these stories has migrated almost entirely to conservative sites such as the Daily Wire and the Western Journal, both outlets with massive social media audiences, mostly repackaged professional journalism into narratives of conservative victimization and other right-wing themes. Conspiracy theorist Alex Jones invoked Epstein's life and death repeatedly, as he defended himself in the course of the recent defamation trial brought by the parents of the children murdered at the Sandy Hook Elementary School. The details of Epstein's real predations of young girls serves as a factual toehold for believers of the Pizzagate and QAnon conspiracy theories. Both are unfounded, both are unfounded interlocking narratives about a powerful group of elite sex trafficking children. In turn, they, they feed into fanciful depictions of Trump as a mythical hero, just look at the language in which they use. Every, what you need to know about the mainstream media is that every single word, every single sentence, every single thing that they say is purposeful. It's conspicuous. It is on purpose to construct an ultimate narrative. And what I just think is happening in recent times is such, it's just such limited distrust within mainstream media, especially for young people, because they've just been so wrong they're so ideolo ideologically wrecked that it's comical to see. And people like Tucker Carlson who speak out and speak up, they are banned from speaking. It is just an absurdity. So let's finalize with some commentary by a lady called Whitney Webb, who has recently gained popularity speaking about Epstein in length and uncovering some of the uncomfortable truths about the true motives of Epstein's island and perhaps ruffling some feathers, let's say, in reference to the elites and their involvement within Epstein, including people such as Bill Gates. Let's see. Hey, great to be here. So this is a crazy story because, so we, we know about the sex trafficking in 2007. Then after he gets out, he turns his attention to the U.S. Virgin Islands and starts a new company, which I don't think many Americans have any idea about this part of the story. And we're just now starting to learn more and more about this. Can you take us through sort of the high level first, and then we'll dive into the nitty gritty, disgusting details? 
Sure. So the, the company you're talking about here is called Southern Trust, and he had a few other companies tied up with it, including a bank. Um, that were based on the Virgin Islands after he was arrested for sex trafficking in Palm Beach. And so after that happened, he seemed, like you said, to have directed his attention more to the Virgin Islands. And so this company in, in particular, Southern Trust, was created in 2012. And it describes itself as offering cutting-edge consulting services and uh, as a DNA data mining firm uh, that was uh, trying to find clients specifically among big banks and big pharma it described itself as sort of a biomedical Google that was trying to uh, use people's genetic sequencing to determine what drugs would work best on them and all sorts of uh, odd things. And even people in, in the testimony that he gave to this Eco Economic Development Commission in the Virgin Islands were, uh, you know, very awestruck, I guess you could say, by how, you know, unusual uh, the company was, was framed as being and what its objectives essentially were. And what's uh, particularly important is that in a lawsuit um, that was filed by Denise George, who is the same attorney general of the Virgin Islands that was fired after filing the Epstein J.P. Morgan case, she had another case targeting Epstein a few years prior. Um, that lawsuit and also a lawsuit filed by the New York Times referred to Southern Trust as being a key part of Jeffrey Epstein's criminal activities. But as I said earlier, it was founded in 2012. So this is well after he was busted for sex trafficking the first time, and it was not a part of what he was charged with in 2019. So it seems like the Virgin Islands was really the only entity interested in going after him uh, for this particular company, which, uh, as, as we've mentioned, was based there. So what's interesting is if you look at the testimony, it doesn't explicitly talk about children, but in his testimony to this commission, he says what he wants to do is essentially uh, engage children early on to train them in programming and to run these artificial intelligence servers that are going to power um, these algorithms. And so the way he apparently did that was by uh, funding a slew of initiatives uh, targeting youth in the Virgin Islands, specifically mentally ill youth uh, and underprivileged and poor children. And a lot of the um, those activities are eerily similar to the same ways that he recruited minors, underage girls uh, in the United States, targeting underprivileged, economically underprivileged uh, teenage girls and uh, gifted children in, in music and the arts. And uh, there's been no uh, interest really in looking into the story among mainstream media because why would someone, a known pedophile, uh, be engaged in this type of activity? And we know now from the recent Wall Street Journal revelations that uh, banks, prominent banks like the Edmund de Rothschild group uh, was giving Southern Trust millions and millions of dollars in contracts. Um, and it's, it's just a very um, disturbing and overlooked story and might shed some light on why the U.S. Virgin Islands, unlike a lot of uh, um, you know, uh, jurisdictions in the U.S., are interested in going after a lot of the powerful people that enabled Epstein, particularly billionaires and some of these big banks. It's crazy. It's truly disturbing. I mean, absolutely disturbing. It sounds like something out of a, like, you know, like a Bond villain. Like if you were to write this as part of a movie, people would say, no, this is ridiculous. You're going to have a billionaire is going to go to the Virgin Islands. He's going to seek out children in order to do biomedical research, implanting things in their brains. Yeah. And even in his testimony, I've gone through these documents that you've sent over, you know, he talks about autistic children specifically. I think like a quarter of them were autistic as well. And, um, and, 
did any of the for parents kids on the spectrum? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So looking specifically for kids on the spectrum, did you get any insights into why he was doing that? Um, I think maybe what he was looking for were, you know, um, I, th I think people are probably familiar with the sort of savant characteristics of some autistic people. And mm -hmm. he may have been looking for um, uh, children and teens that sort of had those um, unusual abilities. Uh, but it's definitely very disturbing. And something he talks about in his testimony, this Virgin Island Commission, is um, the idea of how he uh, aggressively wants to genetically sequence the islander population because it's uh, such an isolated community and then talks about how uh, those gene um, that genetic information can be used to determine how to educate these children that he wants to recruit to ostensibly work for his company in coding and, and programming. But again, as I mentioned earlier, he's targeting specifically underprivileged children um, which is, is very disturbing in light of the similarities uh, between that and what he was doing uh, as part of his sex trafficking operation with Ghislaine Maxwell. This whole story of corruption, which is so commonplace nowadays, it seems, between elites, billionaires, governmental organizations, politicians, insider trading, so on and so forth. I believe, and I've said in the past, this is a sign of the times. Similarly as to what happened within the 15th to 16th century church, in which two acted almost as a governmental organization within the times, within the times, basically being the central point for commerce, for meeting, for agriculture, for development. The, the church in the 15th to 16th century, which is analogous and comparable to the government today, in its last innings, in its last days, it was riddled with corruption by the popes, the priests, so on and so forth. The same is true today when it comes to governmental organizations around the world, in which I think tells you a lot about where society is going, about how media is changing, about how societal dynamics are changing thanks to technology. The church in the 15th century was basically responsible for agricultural development, architecture. It was a meeting point for commerce and a place in which set the rules for society supposedly inspired by God. However, post the Dark Ages during this medieval period, a change started to occur. And this was the start of the Industrial Age in which dynamics of society changed majorly. New technologies such as the printing press were introduced, which led towards the diminishing necessity for the church to act as the sole disseminator of information and education. Instead, now the printing press could do this. And the mass production of books ended the church's monopoly on scripture and information. Wider book availability increased literacy and more people could contribute thoughts on important subjects, therefore threatening the church's monopoly on theology and information. And this dramatic change of 500 years ago is going to happen again. The information revolution is going to destroy the monopoly held by the nation state and the media companies of today, just as the gunpowder revolution destroyed the church's monopoly. Society is changing, my friends. More sovereignty is coming to the individual, but be warned, tyranny is going to spread. Let me explain. Shift away towards the industrial age in which was characterized by the dimin diminishing power of the church at the time was not a smooth transition. Instead, it was the opposite. Corruption was strife. The church in the last days hung on tyranny in order to regain power. Laws supposedly imposed by God were arbitrarily being created in order to retain the power. The same is happening now. The corruption, the lies, the tyranny of governmental organizations, of media companies, this is a sign of the time. It is a sign of the changing dynamics of society towards the age in which is commonly referred to the age of information. This new era of society is characterized by more sovereignty to the individual, thanks to the cyberspace. But this shift shall not be easy. 
it shall be the opposite. Just like the medieval church, governmental institutions, the media shall cling on to power, uphold tyranny, all in an attempt to regain power. The point that I'm making is that society is changing now, and we can see this. Just as the medieval church 500 years ago clung on to power through tyrannical-like methods, the same is true today when it comes to the media, the corruption of the nation-state governments. I believe that society is changing massively, and the corruption, the lies, all of this is a sign of the times, that society is changing, and these institutions, which are now diminishing within value, they're diminishing within importance. It is an indication that technology is disrupting the very fabric of many of these organizations and institutions. So what do you think of this Jeffrey Epstein scandal? Some of you still believe he is alive. Some of you think all of this is a total hoax and it was just solely a financial fraudster and was having sex with young children. Some of you believe that this was a billionaire elite trafficking ring. Let me know your thoughts. I would love to hear. Let's find the truth together and I'll see you soon.